program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Alex McPadar. Am I saying that correctly, my friend? Almost, almost. Oh, you're you say you're it, doing so. better than most people. It's Alex Nikodar. Oh, you! I just was too conscious about it. I was like, yeah. I am not going to mess this up and, <laughs> and made it all awkward. So when we were just chatting beforehand, you made me laugh three times. And would, that kind of mirrors how you and I met. We met at a networking event and we just gravitated towards each other, which I'm realizing that's a lot of my friends is we just kind of were like, you know, it's not like this hard, oh, are we going to be able to talk to each other thing? And we just were sat there and we talked and talked and talked and talked and pretty much they kicked us out or we, one of us had to go or something. Yeah, I don't remember. They kicked us out. They kicked us out. Yeah. We just immediately connected. And, um, I do have a weakness for accents. It's totally true. Uh, so that, that's not the only reason I like you. Thank you. Well, yeah. is it? It's, it's almost impossible to be in the same room with you and I will gravitate towards you. You're like, come on, baby. Just yeah. come on close. Let me give you a big, huge bear hug. Well, I, I guess it's just the way that I filter people because if people don't like me, I don't even know it because they don't come <laughs> over to me. You know where I am in the room so you could avoid me if you didn't. Yeah, exactly. I, I joke that I'm with you. I, I joke that I'm a either or, you know, people either like me or they don't. And but isn't that truth about all of the people? We're just, we're just too conscious and like, oh, they don't like me. I, I don't care if you don't come to me. I don't. I, I, uh, I pretty much think I'm a delight. And so if someone, uh, because I'm a strong personality, I tend to hear about it if they don't like me. And either they're in my family and that's why they don't like me. Cause again, I've broken the rules. I've changed. I've altered who I am. So I can't blame them for not liking me. I used to be shy, broken and a people pleaser <laughs> clearly not being there anymore. So no wonder it's upsetting. Um, or they just don't like me cause I'm like this too empowered, you know, I have too much personality and that's fine. I figure I'm like fine wine. They'll just, the more they're around me, it'll just break them down. You know, I guess. Guess what? We only have one life. So we're if they're all boring and the same, then they, what's the point? You know? If God wanted us the same, he would have made us the same. Exactly. He needs to laugh sometime, right? <laughs> I think it's because he loves diversity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are, that does lead to those conversations where you're going through like a difficult time in your life. And more than once, I've kind of looked up and been like, I, I want you to know that I see the irony in all of this. I see what you're doing there. Teacher. Oh yeah. I have those conversations with him too. I think he has, people don't know what a good sense of humor he has. Well, clearly, cause you've seen some of the insects he's made. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 
<laughs> you know, I love watching nature shows, which I realize makes me about 70, um, you know, because that's what, you know, mature people There's, do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the violence I could handle is, you know, a, a tiger and, you know, whatever it's eating. And I'm like, oh, look away. It's too, too shocking and upsetting. But I love watching those because it's, it's better super, than action movies. Well, I do tend to feel a little um, assaulted in an action movie and just a little, <laughs> and then I have to rewrite the story to that everybody's okay. And yeah, you know, that it all, but, it, well. but a lion eating a, whatever sheep is just totally fine, right? No, I have to look away. I have to look oh. away at the, oh. the moment of impact. One of those, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, I get but at least I can rationalize it that that lion does not have a frontal lobe. Yeah. And, and he's acting on, or she is that, because of course the lionesses do most of the hunting, is acting on instinct. And we as humans are the only creature on this planet that is able to not act out of instinct. So when humans are like, I couldn't help it. I want to be like, oh, you tigress. You know, like <laughs> I couldn't help it. What does that have to do with anything? You have, you have mental reasoning. You have the ability to decide a course of action in your life and just be like, I can't help what happens to me. I call that being a jellyfish on the currents of the ocean. So, you yeah. know, okay. But enough about me. I want okay. the listeners to see, we have a really hard time talking. <laughs> We're just like, ah, la, la, la. <laughs> I want the listeners to hear about you because you are fascinating, not just sexy with your accent, but you've got, oh, uh, thank you. Um, you know, I kind of got it at birth, you know, <laughs> some of us didn't get a sexy accent, but we're still sexy. <laughs> yeah. Move abroad right away. You have a sexy accent. No, See, there is I've always actually, a solution to everything. No, I actually have asked this when I've been abroad. Uh-huh. And the problem is the American accent is too overexposed. And so it's not exciting. I don't know. Depends on where you're going. What, what is what is abroad? Where have you been? Well, I've been I've been to parts of Europe and definitely uh-huh. not intrigued by me being an American in Europe. It's literally telling me what is wrong with my American culture. And I'm like, agreed. Um, <laughs> Armenia, they were very shocked to find out that I didn't have um, a maid and that my husband didn't have a mistress. And I let them know that the housewives of fill in the blank is not the typical American lifestyle. Um, but when I was in Indonesia, people treated me like a celebrity, which my host thought to be funny because they think I am a celebrity, which I'm like, no. And the more I told them I wasn't a celebrity, the more they're like, but everyone wants your picture with you. But it's just because I was a very large comparatively to the basic population. I was huge. I mean, I was just, well, you know. The, the truth to be told, um, there, I mean, I don't know, me. I can always tell an American from like hundred yards away. It's the way Americans are dressed and the way they don't give a cuckoo about anything, not even talking about some of the sizes. So we're really good at telling, but I, in general, I think people like Americans. I mean, come on. Uh, I think I'm likable as we've already the Americans, they have the breeze in their pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, like the loud American, I, I think, I've always kind of thought of myself, yeah, I would be the loud American. But then I was in, I can't remember where, because it was in the middle of the night. I, I think I was coming back from Japan or something like that. And this lady goes, and I hear her from way back and she's like, foreigners, 
What do you mean foreigners? Why are they telling us we can only go here? What, I mean, that's treating us. And she was like, and I'm like, that's what they call it in every airport. And I just, and I'm standing there and she's the only Western other face because all Asian faces around us. And they're looking at me like, can you explain her? You know? And so I just kind of said, she's a loud American. I'm an appropriately tired American. And I know that we are foreigners. And that was kind of saying to her, and she's like, I can't believe they call us foreigners. And I'm like, that's what we do in every airport. And she's like, really? So, and I'm giving her a Southern accent, which I don't remember if she had that or not, but it's the only accent I can do. So it's probably- Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to find Americans who think that America is in the middle of the earth. Yeah, that, that I think is um, unfortunate. Yeah but I do have a nationalistic pride of being American and being a woman in America. We have so many opportunities and options and choices that I'm kind of like, yay, America. So yeah, well, America had, America had a couple of hundred years to learn how to be a good country. Well, and we have the examples of other countries. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You had the chance to learn and then come and develop it and, you know, build up a new structure, a new system. And that's that's what makes America great, great is that everybody can be somebody in America where other places you're kind of shut down. You can't just be, you know, and, you know, people laugh at when I say that I'm living the American dream, but that is the truth. I do live it. It's exactly how it was supposed to be. You know, can you come to this country, you work your butt off and then you build something and, you know, and, and you get the paperwork, you immigrate legally, you, you do it. It's, it. it's all possible, you know, but some people don't get, you know how you were talking about the frontal lobe and how we have, um, <clears throat> we have a chance to make the decision because we're those kind, you know, we're that kind of animal that can make the right decision. Yet some, there are plenty of people I met in my lifetime who don't think about that they have a frontal lobe. You know, they just well, execute. Maybe, maybe it's underdeveloped. I mean, you know, yes. there's drugs and, um, and <coughs> like, okay, so my parents, my dad was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. And so I like to joke that I'm an heiress because if I play my cards right, I might inherit a truck, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> what, you know, not. I didn't not, get the truck. <laughs> not, I, I'm probably not going to get the truck because I don't have a CDL, you know, a license to drive the truck. But, um, that, you know, we grew up with, by American standards, not having a lot. In fact, when I was 13, my mother sent me to go live in Mexico for the summer with some of her friends, family, and to work kind of as a nanny. And it was a life-changing experience because here I felt kind of like, we're poor. But my parents had made a very conscious effort, even though we were poor in quotation marks, to live in a neighborhood that would be college bound. Mm. And so they bought a house that flooded every year. And it was at least a decade before my dad was able to figure out what to do to stop this house from flooding, but we got a really good deal on it. But you know, around us were doctors and lawyers and professors and a very uh, educated community. So when I graduated from high school, it wasn't a big deal because I was around people who were going to go to college. And even though I wasn't able to complete my college degree for a lot of reasons that I won't 
out those that affected that on the podcast. Oh, there are plenty of people. Don't mind. Well, yeah, okay. I, I'm just not going to go into, yeah. you know, but um, I, the difference, I lived in inner city DC. Mm-hmm. And when everyone around you is making life choices where you might go, is your frontal lobe damaged? You're not going to be asking the same questions that somebody who grew up in a neighborhood where, yes, I got to be the maid for all those people. We were definitely the people they're bringing the hand-me-down clothes to. And I witnessed acts of charity that are amazing because we were one of a handful of families that were not economically on par with the rest, right? Yeah, yeah. Where if you live in a neighborhood that's the reverse, where there's maybe one or two families that are comfortable financially and everyone else is you know, b- way below the poverty line, you're going to think differently because of what you've been exposed to. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way the way we grow up, the people that are surrounding us, it's it's it can be very damaging. It can also, you know, depends on depends on what kind of personality you have, right? I, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, poor family. We didn't have anything in Hungary. My, yes. Well, I was, born, for... I, I was born in Romania, but I, we, moved, we moved to Hungary after the revolution, the 89 revolution, you know, all Eastern Europe had some kind yep. of revolution going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was eight, eight years old when we moved to Hungary. And that was the first time, for example, that I saw French bread. Okay, you know, so that's like, because poor in America means you're, you're on WIC, you're on Medicare or Medicaid. Yeah and you can get food stamps or and pretty much every other part of the world means means you don't have food you don't have food yes Yes, you don't have food yeah it's a big difference where people are like oh you know let them eat cake it's like they don't have (coughs) a fallback system well yeah but that's what i'm saying that america had hundreds of years to learn from bad example and then change something about it right so I am not all, I, I don't, I, I can't ever imagine myself being in a situation where I have to ask for help. I'm that kind of a mm. stubborn, excuse my expression, ass. Whoa, um, whoa, I'm just teasing you. I was, thinking the about the, I was thinking about the donkey. I don't know what you were thinking about. <laughs> No, you're just like, oh, I thought you were going to come out with the word that we we're going to have to really censor. So I'm like, whoa. No, I was thinking your, about the donkey. Your vocabulary is as poopy as mine. <laughs> yes. I sound like both of us are the kind of people who want to go poop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, anyway. It, yeah. Um, yes. The donkey. And I don't, I, you know, I don't, I have a hard time with, thinking about like getting help or, you know, food stamps and all of those things. Um, I worked very hard to never be in that situation exactly because I am stubborn and I don't want to be in that situation. So I, you know, I worked my buttocks off to, to never be in that situation. Did it mean that I never was in that situation? I absolutely was in that situation. For example, when we moved from Romania to Hungary at school, they were providing me with free, uh, free books, free book, free food, and everything. But my parents and that was funded by like a private organization or no, that was by by the government or the school. But my parents didn't do the homework to actually go and apply for it because of the stubbornness. 
Mm -hmm. So at the end, I didn't have it. You know, I was always the child who didn't have the color pencil or didn't have the right kind of notebook. So I got bad grades because I didn't have the right kind of notebook, you know? So it was, and because of that, that's why I'm saying that your surroundings can either build you up or they can knock you down. For me, it was a buildup because I said, I never want to be in that situation when I'm, you know, an adult and when I can earn my money. I mean, my first job was when I was 10 years old summer job you know and from then on I always had the job in fact at summers when school was you know was ringing the bell and we were out I had more money during the summer than my parents had because I never wanted to be in that situation to ask for things yeah which is uh, an interesting argument I have with myself because at one time one hand I'm so glad we have that fallback so kids aren't hungry and they're not malnourished and they have clothing and all that kind of stuff on the other hand, you know, the free lunch program, I worked in the school lunchroom from the first grade till the end of junior high, because only mentally handicapped people had the privilege of working in the school lunchroom as kids, you know, um, mm-hmm. in high school to make sure I provided myself with a lunch. And so I got to have, uh, you know, food every day. And to this day, I have this thing about lunch lady, um, peanut butter and chocolate bars oh like there is a subconscious thing in me about chocolate and peanut butter together that is like soothing the inner child that i will never be a totally thin woman as long as that thing exists on the planet um because you know this this thing so i love that we have this fallback but the thing that i had to work for something gave me a work ethic that might be a little too fierce mm-hmm. yes yeah and um, the, the older I get, the more I'm like, you, you need to moderate for these old bones. <laughs> of course, I'm recovering from surgery at this recording, so I'm much more humble about my, my frailty, <laughs> you know, but coming from a country, I'm, I love, I love immigration. I love people coming to this country and bringing their culture and the diversity and the different ways of thinking and the gratitude for what this country is. I don't like illegal illegal immigration for one reason mainly, is they're not allowed to participate in our economy at the same level. And so it makes a slave class. I think we should make it more available for people to come here and to come here legally and to participate in our economy and, and participate in our language, which lets you participate in the economy as a full partner. Because the more we allow people just to stream over our border that are not able to participate, we're creating a second class or a slave class in our society because you see that they're not equal, they're not equally engaged. Yeah. Without getting into politics, one of the setbacks of yeah, one of the setbacks of of well, since we were talking about this, um, the only thing I will say is that one of the setbacks of America is that it's it's almost impossible to immigrate. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a very serious problem that I'd like to see fixed because if somebody wants to come here and work hard and make something of themselves, we should give them the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to come here and not even be able to build social security and to not, we don't know what you're doing. That's bad on us and bad on you. You know, yeah. we need to figure out a better way. So that's, I don't think the issue is the illegal immigration as much as that we are not allowing immigration. And yeah, it's almost illegal to immigrate. To be yeah, honest. and it can take that hard. years and decades. I should have someone mm-hmm. on about that because it's, yeah. it, it's really easy to get mad about what's happening at the border. And then you start to realize 
wait a minute. Wait, you don't know how it works. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, I can, we can have a whole entire day of discussion about this because I can tell you, even for me, I built a business and I, it was, it was a really hard fight, but it, you know, everything it's possible. Um, you just have to want it, but it's also true that it's pretty hard. You know, I, when, when I started my immigration process, I already had 17 employees in this country. You know, I was employing Americans and, and it still was very hard to, to get it. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that just kind of blows your mind. I'm not employing 17 Americans. I haven't even made 17 Americans. So thank you <laughs> for your yet. contribution. <laughs> well, no, uh, since I've had a hysterectomy, I'm pretty sure I won't be making any more babies. I sure tried, but, uh, okay. So what prompted you, because my image of Hungary, I mean, obviously there was the, the war and the conflict and the social upheaval, um, but you immigrated after that, you immigrated here at how old? Oh, I was um, 23. 23. So what prompted mm. you to leave your country of amazing bread? That is mm. that is part of my exposure to Hungary. I had some Hungarian dancers <coughs> and they showed me pictures and it was like the sound of music gorgeousness. Yeah. It was just beautiful. What, why, why did you decide to leave? Because I think of Hungary very similar to um, our way of life as far as, I mean, take out the social conflicts that were happening in our childhoods, because uh, we're about the same age, uh, which is 29, depending yes, on how exactly. you want to out yourself. Some yes, of us yes. like me might be 40. I'm 28, excuse me. Yeah, yes, I'm a little older. <laughs> all, all the 20-somethings are like, all these old ladies, and you'll be like, just like that, just like that, you're going to be our age. But um what prompted you to leave your country? Because it would have been stabilized-ish by the time you got there. And I think of the standard of life like ours, but with more culture and history. Well, Hungary was even 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 in the year 89, 90s was already pretty much stabilized. I mean, coming from Romania and, you know, as a child, eight years old, it was huge. It was like, honestly, skies and dirt. It was, it was that kind of a difference. It was a huge wow. difference. Um, <clears throat> um, what prompted me, I don't know if you believe this or not, but I always felt like I remember as a child walking down the street and just singing gibberish. Um, I was thinking that I was singing in English, but it was really gibberish because I didn't speak. I don't know. I, I always, I don't know. I wouldn't say that I always thought that I would end up in America, but I was always very close since I was a child. So when I got the opportunity, actually my mom, I served an LDS mission. And so after I, my, for those that don't know, that's for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes, yes, yes. And after um, my mom, after my mission, my mom died and it was a big, huge hit in my life because mm. she was the you know, the strongest, healthiest person that you can even imagine that she died of stomach cancer, you know, and um, it was a big, huge hit. And my best friend at the time said, hey, there is this school. I never finished high school because I had to work and provide for my family. Um, and, and how many on a mission? How many siblings? Just one sister. Just okay. one sister. Yeah. Now you um, only say just because it's Utah. This is one of my 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 pet peeves. <laughs> Then when people say you just have the two. So for those who are listeners to the podcast, I've addressed this before. <laughs> it's not just one changes your life, you know, so we don't, we don't ever say, 
small families just that's just a utah thing that's not a real thing okay 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 because in Japan, china it. you wouldn't say just one other sister you'd be like i had a sister i had a sister How crazy yeah is that? well you know i have a sister but honestly she's um she's 10 years older than me but i'm the oldest older sister uh -huh. between the two of us anyway so um after my mom died i felt very i don't know um lost in the yeah. world i didn't understand what was going on why it happened to me you know you you have this expectation that you come home from the mission and you know you get married and you have children and you have live a happy life that doesn't happen for me the most and important your mom is there up in as my a life yeah yeah died and so I got this opportunity to come out and study in America and I took it and I came and then I ended up being here for seven years, not seeing my family going back because I was afraid, what if I go back and I can't get the visa to come back? And so seven years, I haven't seen my family. And then I got a job opportunity to actually go back. And so I went back for seven years. <laughs> like this seven seven yeah yeah how your cells are changing in your body every seven years but for me countries have changed every <laughs> seven and so yeah I, I went back i spent there some years but america was i don't know america is is something that not even americans do truly know what kind of a statement and what kind of um um influence it has in other people's life that is outside of america and uh, for me it was one of those you know seeing that you you can for example this is one big huge difference between my culture and american culture this is one thing that i've learned in america living in america is to be positive you know an american falls um you get up and you like you look down at the big hole that was there you go <laughs> you laugh at yourself and you keep going right <laughs> yeah, european right. falls and hits himself gets up looks at the hole and starts blaming everything and everybody about that hole uh, in the, you know well so, i think america's getting there <laughs> it's yeah. like, i am very much against the us and them and the demonization of other people oh yeah and it's sad to see how divided we are. I, I listen to a lot of news from around the world to kind of get the perspective. And they're very concerned about our cancel culture infecting theirs. It's very interesting. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, you know, everybody has to go through some life lessons. And I believe America is going through some life lessons right now. I'm glad that I'm here. Um, so we're like in our teenager phase? Yeah something like that our early 20s or maybe yeah early 20s 90s 19 right. years old yep that's where yeah, america is right now major phase yeah that, that i have sense. seen you know i've seen i've seen how america was when i was here as a student and i see it now how it is that i came back it's a huge difference and i hope that we will wake up and we will see things and that we will change things like what but no matter what i'm gonna be here well, like what, you know, again, I don't want to go into politics, but the past couple of years have been really hard for somebody who came from two communist countries. <laughs> okay, know? okay, so we're not into politics. We're just going to nope, discuss. We're not. I'm just, you know, we're just going to discuss. So are you because there's two different sides of this, so we can just state the two different sides. 
are you saying that you see communist warning signs or are you seeing that you don't see those? Because I see different people saying that. Um, I would say that I've seen them, I've seen, and I'm hoping that what we've seen, we don't want again. Mm -hmm. You know, that maybe we've learned from the past couple of years, you know? Right, right. Because I, I believe in equality, mm -hmm. but I don't believe in equity, meaning that yes. we all get the same result for different work. I think we should yes. have the same result and we should have the same access to opportunity, which is one of the things that having, uh, you know, schooling for free in America is supposed to provide. But of course, we need to be improving that equality of school programming for people because it's not the same in the hood. No as it is where I grew up in a really well-funded Utah school district with lots of parent involvement and volunteers and, right? And, mm -hmm. and, you know, my parents, like I said, made a conscious effort to, even though they were not equal in finances, but to make the sacrifices to live there. But you can't, I don't believe you can force equity because I think that's from he who is poopy. See how I'm staying out of politics? Mm -hmm. He who is poopy, AKA Satan because um, we do get a different result for how we perform our life. Yeah, well, <clears throat> here's, it. You, you just said, you like, you know, there are two sides, which side are you on, right? I wanna believe that there are not just two sides. You know, if we go back to like, even our religious views or our, you know, like our spiritual views, it's so right. no, easy I'm saying to just- the two sides of our political divide. Oh, I know. But I, I know, think I there's, there's, there should be room for, Lots, lots of yeah. different cultures and perspectives and ideas yeah. and that's why we can't have equity because a different person prioritized like the native american community which i love yeah. they prioritize sitting down and listening to the elders and family bonds and family is the whole tribe mm -hmm. and typical american culture your family are the people who live in your house and there might be some extended family but it, they don't sit and talk with the elders like they do. So they're not economically having the same reward because they're spending a lot of time talking to their elders. So yeah. the argument yeah. of what lifestyle is better, I think we need to spend more time as an American culture sitting down and talking to our elders. Our elderly, yeah, and that's exactly. Well, what, what I meant to say is that, you know, it's very easy to go through life to only thinking that it's black or white, but it's not true, you know? And it's also very easy to be that kind of a person. And I've seen so many people who just are, you know, pointing finger, fingers that this is because of blah, blah, blah. This is because of blah, blah, blah. This is because of the government. This is because, I'll just give you an example, right? I'll go back to the, you know, the American falls and gets up and just goes away, but doesn't do that does he or she does anything about that pothole no you know they just you know you just go on with your life that's typical american you just you're too busy you just go on with your life so yeah it's good in one point because you're positive so you can just get up and go right on the other hand another side of that is that here comes eastern european or the whatever and blames the government blames everybody but yet still nobody picks up the flipping shovel and does anything about that pothole, you know? I'm the kind of person who will get up, go on, go find something. If nothing else, I bring a big huge rock and I put it in the pothole because 
if somebody needs to get up and do it. And then I know that I just saved somebody else from falling, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's funny because America, you know, going with this analogy, I start thinking, okay, like I, I would go find the shovel too. Yeah. And then you'd probably be sued because you didn't fill the hole properly. You didn't do it properly. <laughs> you know, because I don't have the right dirt pounder or whatever it is that makes potholes not be sinkholes, right? Uh. And, and on the lawsuits yes. and that's where you know i do believe there's this argument in um that there are two different forces you know the get in the gang good and evil right but that in any given moment any of us are making different decisions right mm -hmm. then we are either zoning one or the other and a very easy way to be a tool and i mean that like in the 1980s form like don't be a tool right don't be used <laughs> by these forces and we get our, allow ourselves to be triggered and angry and be pulled into the polarization of politics, we lose our rationale and our ability to see someone who's in the other group in quotation marks as the same as us. And, and anytime that, that so we realize important. that person doesn't have the same ambition for love, joy and happiness that we do, we are being big, big poop heads and yes. donkey too. And that is so important. I think- Did that you get my joke? Yes, I yeah, do. Okay, because it was That's, funny. Yeah. Yes, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is the biggest, that is honestly the biggest um, challenge that we see today, not just in America, but every, everywhere, is that people do not rationalize anymore. They do not sit there and say, man, there might be another side to this story. Man, maybe I could do something about this man maybe you know like we do not rationalize that anymore we're just we keep going with our lives we're so busy that we i i don't know i just this 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 I road a... that we're on to you know to um to brag to just only go for the money to not pay attention to everything that is going around us it's like it's like people are going through, we were just talking about, right? We're only 29 years old and people are pointing at us like you're so old. And then we're like, in five seconds, you'll be there, right? Right, um, right. That is the truth. Life is going by so easily. I mean, and I think a big proponent that drags us, makes us reactionary is that we are no longer bored. In our childhoods, we had to go outside and figure out what play looked like. Yes. And we also worked. We had and, to invented. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing wrong with dad grabbing me in the business and saying, let's go haul your side of the axle. Nowadays, that probably would be viewed as childhood unless you were on a, a child abuse, unless you were on a farm. Exactly. Right? How dare and so, you? Yeah. Um, I was sitting around with a group of moms. This was three or so years ago. I don't remember. And I made, they were all talking about this problem they were having with their kids. And I, being the seasoned mother, <laughs> Cause they were like toddlers. And I was like, well, you know, and I almost said it sarcastically. I was like, well, you know, our job as parents is not to entertain our kids. Yeah. And all the moms were like, Whoa, how oh, dare you? Yeah. No, no. They were shocked. They, this was like a new concept to them. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I had to sit back and be like, yeah, I didn't get to raise my kids. I, my kids are the last generation that were not raised with cell phones. Right. So for you, well, they didn't have them. I mean, they had yeah. them, but they, so I should say smartphones. Right. Yeah. And 
you know, we had to figure out how to get from point A to point B without a phone telling us how to get there. Mm -hmm. Now I can like zombie drive and I'm like, oh, you know, but um, it's really bad for the human brain to not have boredom, to not have hard work and to always be entertained. And that I think plays into making us easily manipulated and triggered into being responsive for, so for example, the young lady that um, you know was shot by the police officer, 16 year old oh. honor student, <gasps> horrible. Oh my heavens, triggered right away. How could this happen? Then you dig in and you find out that she was about to slit the throat of another uh, girl of her same color, which I don't think color should be part of all this conversation, but it is. Um, Cause again, it's just more divisive. And you start digging in, you realize this is a system of failure of foster care and parenting. And, but the, the cop is being chastised. Everything starts at home. But the, but the, um, the headline is 16 year old honor student, you know, black honor student shot by white cop, which plays into, I hate to say the narrative, but we as human beings, when we hear that, if we don't have an emotional response, we've lost our empathy. So I have a personal challenge that I give myself when I find myself going, (gasps) like just feeling that trigger, right, is to go, okay, I now have an emotional stewardship to figure out what's going on just with me. And so I need to dig in and find out more information so that I'm not just reacting to this and come up with how I feel about it. Yeah, well, I would go back to, again, rationalism, right? You're one of those people who realizes, okay, I have an emotional trigger about this. Let's see what is really, where, where it's going, what, where is it coming from, right? Um, but I would also say that, so I've, I love studying stuff about the brain. I really believe, I believe in that idea that we do not use enough of our brain. And I believe that we can, you know, I believe, honestly, I believe that God is God because he knows how to use his brain, right? <laughs> He's and using all of his brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, uh-huh. you know? Um, so I want to be like God and I want to learn how I can use my brain and develop it. And the truth is the brain really develops and it, it, it builds up cells in your brain is when you create. And exactly what you're saying that because we're so busy, because we have all the answers, I mean, do you really have to go to a library anymore to study something? No, you go to Google, you know? Yeah. Do you really have to, like, you, do you have to do, you know, I don't know, do you have to sculpt anything anymore? No, you buy a 3D printer, right? So, I mean, we don't, we don't have, so our, our brains- We don't are, have to, have, but we get to. Yeah, our brains have a hard time um, building cells and regenerating and, and, you know, floating the, helping you float the blood in your cells, helping pump air in, in your body and stuff like that. That's because we're so busy. We're so busy making money. And one more thing, we're so busy taking sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, I so agree. I'm like fluttering over my words. I'm so agreeing. Yeah. Something terrible happens in our lives. We have to take sides. Am I on the police officer side or am I on the team? And if you decide to not take sides, if you decide to just go in the middle and rationalize, something is wrong with you. Okay, and I I am here for all those who want to be in the middle. I have very firm spiritual opinions, so I'm not in the middle on that debate. I believe in God. 
Yet when it comes to politics, I was not there. I recognize your different powers play, and I am seeking to stay um, a, a, acutely aware of being in the middle and not allowing myself to be triggered or pulled or used by someone who does not have my best interest at heart. But you see, there is a there is a label for that. Oh, we love our labels. Do you know the you are special book? I'm special One book. No, you, do you know the book, You Are Special? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, Lags, okay. Luce, Max Lucedo. Yeah, I have that book, yeah. Yeah, well, don't we love our labels? Yes, we do, we do. So your label right now, if you don't take sides, it means you're just lazy to take sides. Well, because, um, okay, so I read a book that I mentioned before, um, The Forgotten Man by Amnesty Shales. Mm-hmm. And this is when I knew that I was a nerd because Twilight was out, I was on bed rest and I was reading books like this <laughs> and other people <laughs> are reading about the vampire. And I'm like, the vampire is not, this is not gonna end well. Vampires by their very nature suck your blood. How is that a romantic story? Right? So it's like, don't fall in love with the bad boy. You know, like, fall in talking love about the- vampires, I'm from Transylvania. <laughs> well, you know. I have relationships. <laughs> And for those of you who can't see her, because I'm the only one, they get to see you right now. She did a little head, little head jiggle of how special she is to be from Transylvania. But um, it talked about how politicians used to be versed, you know, they used to fight each other. And it was, you know, these terrible letters back and forth. Right. And then through the Great Depression, we started having problems that can't be solved. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, our, our great idea of what America was supposed to be definitely didn't handle everything right. Manifest destiny being one of the things that I'm like, eh, kind of screwed over the Native Americans on that. Not kind of, but did. Um, but anyway, they figured out so much more powerful to keep them in power was to demonize the other group. And if you can demonize the other group, then they'll keep you in power as the de facto leader of the right group. And so that really made me look at watching the news differently and seeing this like, okay, how are they going to try to use me to keep them in power? And both sides do it, demonizing the other group. And again, I go back to my belief that, you know, we're all special before God. And so the person who doesn't believe in God, who has a very different, you know, belief system than I do, are not any less compassionate, are not any less human don't have any less of a feeling of, wow, this is terrible, this person died. In fact, maybe even more so than I, because at least I can say, well, they're with Jesus, right? You know, that they're like, wow, that was their one chance at life, just taken. So once we take empathy and compassion away from someone, we've made them not human. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, will, I refuse, I would rather someone shock me at their lack of compassion than assume or brand someone as not having empathy or compassion. Yes. And yes. in the Bible, it talks about what a problem judgment is. So I'm always constantly censoring myself to not judge a situation I don't have all the information on. Yeah. No, that's that's the way I am. I I I love getting information. I love to learn. And then I honestly I love stepping back and I love sometimes I just Sometimes you have no choice by letting them fight it out. And I think there are more people in this uh, lazy middle, as the the label is. Um, And 
there might be people who just intuitively are being non-judgmental and being in the middle and they might not have all the be researching the information like you and I do but they're going from the gut reaction of I'm just going to assume everyone's trying yes you know but as soon as I hear a politician or a person demonize someone else I'm filtering and censoring in my brain the impact they can have on how I think and that is a constant battle at least for me because I'm emotional and I'm you know I you know I'm a girl and I like all the feelings and I want to hug everybody and I want everyone to get along and that's why I'm doing this podcast is that people are amazing we just have to we just have to take the time to converse and talk to people and I'm hoping that we can break down some of these barriers you know no I I you and I are called the peacemakers, but we don't, we don't make the peace the way others want us to make the peace. And that, that only, honestly, the, the, the biggest thing that we can do in today's world is to be honest, but not, I mean, of course, be honest with your fellow people and be honest within your business and be honest in everything, but be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Look if at your you can biases. be 100%, yeah. you know, I always say I am my best cri- critic, right? right. Mm-hmm. But I'm also my best critic and I am, but I'm really honest. Like when I criticize, I don't criticize because I want to get myself in the deep hole and stay there. I criticize because I want to be able to be to not pick sides. I want to be impartial. I want to be able to come back with the solution and give it to you as I took all of the sides that I've seen. And this is one one reason why I'm so good at solving problems is because when I look at a problem, I don't look at the problem from one side or the other. I look at a problem from sides that you can't even imagine. And I go back with the solution and I'm like, and you run, even you, think run about that. You, you run an accounting firm. Yes. And so yes. that's a very um, analytical job. I, of course, run a makeup business and I'm a speaker. And so I'm all in the feelings side. And yeah, yeah. And yet here we are analytical versus um, I'm driven by emotion. I make just a lot of my decisions by emotion and then have to go wait, analyze. And I'm married to an analytical man. It's a beautiful balance because sometimes he'll be like, okay, wait, <laughs> you know? And let's think about this. And, you know, it's a great team. But here we've come to the same conclusion on how to handle navigating the world. Two different very brain points. And so that's why there's so much um, diversity is valuable because you don't have to have the same experiences to come to the same place of empathy. Well, again, it would be really boring to live in an utopia for us, all of us to be. It, yeah. whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah okay it's you like accent okay it's utopia yeah um, hey hey i i am not critiquing i speak english and there's a lot of words that i say incorrectly it's my native language and um, my husband sometimes after a long day of doing podcasts or speaking or doing a webinar and i can't even articulate over dinner and i'm he's like words are hard and i'm like yeah they are <laughs> And I talked all day long. Of course they are. Yeah, I've used so many words today. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 one of the reasons. Like it's it's it would be really boring to not have sides, you know? 
Yeah. And that's why sometimes we just have to create more sides. We have to show people that there are so many other sides than just two. You know? Well, and I think if you're willing to not be polarized, then you can have conversations and your experience can be enriched by yes. the experience of others. And you can learn from others falling in, you know, sticking with our analogy of falling in the hole and say, oh, maybe I should look where I'm going because that person, they described that experience and it was difficult. Yeah. But I think this, this um, segues into pride that we want to know what we know. Oh yeah. And part of being human is recognizing that we're never going to know all the things we need to know. No one's done and, it yet. Yes. And that our knowledge can be improved. Right. And I hope to be exercising this brain to the day I die. Yes. I hope that I'm still learning and engaged. I probably by now have a, a master's degree in history. And, <laughs> and uh, just, just in and history. biology and all of those. Be no, biology. Um, I had to do some biology homework recently. And um, evidently I'm capped out at about 10th grade honor level. So, oh. But at least it was honors. But, you know, I did take honors biology in college and I got a C plus and I was never so proud of a grade in my life because it was all with pre-med students and it was um, done on the curve. Yeah. <laughs> um, and kids now don't know what that means. It means they take all the grades in the class and only so many people can get an A, only so many people get A minus. And they're just so you're being in competition for the grade compared to your peers. And um so yeah, it was, it was like the hunger games back then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I love this because we still didn't get to talk about, um, hungry and the thing that I thought we were going to talk about. So we'll just have to have you on again. I love this because I have so many amazing friends with amazing intellect that we are never going to run out of share your hotness podcasts that are going to be amazing so before we end what is your fuel what is something that you take in that you need to be alex that's a, it's a very hard question i think my true fuel is seeing others happy and seeing them being honest with themselves and not and not giving in to pressure. And it's so hard in today's world with all the social media and to, to, to truly see happiness is such a hard thing, you know, mm -hmm. and produce happiness is even harder, but it's not impossible. And when I see somebody truly happy, or I see that, you know, even if, even if I see them miserable, if they're honestly miserable, I'm happy for them and to because I know that there is room to to change absolutely you know? because happiness is is like a muscle sometimes yeah. we're more in shape with it but having the skills to create that in our lives and to duplicate that again that's that's awesome okay so what is your what is your it, oxygen actually, something you I'm, an, I'm an daily? extreme extra word so people. you know seeing people yeah yeah, yeah, we're doing fist you bumps know, on, on so Zoom here. Yeah. 2020 has been very hard being stuck. I love my office, but it's still being stuck and not being able to go out there and get the energy and suck it in, you know. Um, yeah. that's that's been hard. Yeah. Well, but I, I I need people, I need interaction. 
no big shock that I'm with you there. People, yeah. people are my, my drug of choice. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Sometimes um, they can be overwhelming, but they still are. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, uh, we're the people who've been stuck at home with people we like, um, first yes. and foremost ourselves. And then, you know, the immediate people we live with, and that is a privilege that everybody has had in 2020. So um, I, I give us a, whew, you know, as hard as it's been, I'm glad we're stuck with people we like. I wanted to say something about happiness. Yes. This is another, this is another thing. It's another word that we humans made up, the word happiness. I mean, do you really see it in the Bible? You're that right. You, they you talk need to about seek happiness. Joy. They talk about joy. And, and uh, that the problem is that we confuse happiness with joy, right? Yes, we and do. Um, a couple of years ago, I was watching the TV show Vikings. Now that we have to advertise it, I actually quit watching it after a while, but was watching it. And um, it's probably too violent for me, huh? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. If you can't look at a tiger eating a sheep, then don't, don't watch Vikings. <laughs> but. Um, the son, the main character's son goes up to him and says, dad, you just, you're so unhappy. You're not happy ever. And the, and the father says uh, something to the fact like, who the heck told you that you need to be happy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, who invented happiness? Why, why did, would you have to, ha- to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. We should not that goes back to that entertainment. Yes, we should yeah. not confuse it happiness with joy you know we can have joy in our lives and it's the same thing with me it's kind of funny like sometimes I'm really like self-aware and I'm like I'm I'm just calm and I'm peaceful and everything and you know and I go to an environment where people know me and they come up to me and they're like what's wrong with you why are you so sad I'm like I'm not sad I'm totally calm and good <laughs> right now I right. you know, because yeah, what happiness needs to look like. I always you know? equate joy as accompanied with peace. Yes. And so even though the situation in your life can be crazy, because I always say the real story about my husband getting hit by a bus. I don't know if this, if you know this happened. My husband got hit by a bus and a massive, massive heart attack, died in my arms, came back to life. Then I was in a wheelchair and then our daughter died all in a three-year period. And I say, that's not the story. The story is, is that we were happy. We had joy, right? And happiness can be manufactured by um, uh, buying a new purse um, or it can be manufactured by serving someone else. Obviously, one to have through joy. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's the kind of happiness, joy slash that we're talking about. But I, I love that that is an expectation idea that leads us to unhappiness because you hear it all the time, people being like, I'm just, this isn't what I thought my life would be. And I'm like, congratulations, you're an adult. Yeah. Because life is not a constant stream of entertainment and getting everything that we want. And how do you find contentment and personal satisfaction in that? I have a speech that I even titled the, the pursuit of the more that this yeah, it's right. Exactly. Into. Well, and, and, and this is why when you get the next gadget, when you get the next computer, you get the next car, you buy the next house, and you're like, what? I'm still depressed. I'm not happy. What's wrong with me? Right. It's because you're, you're, you're going for something that is not joy. It's not that inner peace that you're supposed to have in your, in your life. I compared the today's happiness view 
or what the social media, what TV, what everything is telling us, I compare it to Santa. You know, I love, I'm a Christmas girl, right? Uh But today's Santa was made up by scientists. It was made up the colors, everything that is attracting us to Santa. You know, that's not how Santa looked like. Mm -hmm. That's how Santa looks like, you know? It's telling a story today. And that's exactly what's happening with us. Social media- the early Santas were a character to emulate in the attitude of giving and accountability. And now exactly. it's all about getting nothing exactly. about becoming in character and learning, but just this entitlement that I deserve presence because I breathed for another year. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and, 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 and that's why, you know, it's this, this, what social media is doing with us and, you know, being on social media and being like, I mean, we're both on LinkedIn and our message is always something different than everybody else's, you know, and we don't get the likes. And it's like, I, I don't care. I don't get the likes. I'm just hoping that people see it. And maybe, maybe I make a little bit of a difference in their life, in their life today, you know, by saying, stop bragging. Really like, don't, don't I have so I have had so many clients not in just my accounting business but in in general I've had so many clients um, in my coaching or any other places where people they're all about what kind of car I can buy and where can I post it and what can I do and they they show happiness their friends think they're happy and yeah. they're miserable. I had a car from the makeup company that I work with a free car mm-hmm. for many many years. And they increase the rate to keep the car, you know, which I would get it for free. I get a $500 check every month and I get the cheapest car the program would let me get, which was around $300. Um, they actually had to put a cap on how cheap the car could be because of me. Cause I was like free car. That means I want to make money on this car. Yeah. I got to pay the insurance got right. Yeah. So um, anyway, they raised the rate, the, the production by 28%. And most of it was not under my direct control. It'd be what my team produced. And I'm not going to be that person who puts pressure on my team. So I turned the car back in and like, don't you want the trophy? And I was like, what, what does the trophy have to do with anything? And they're like, well, you need to have the trophy to look successful. And I'm like, I know what my savings account is. And of course, you know, what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep me in the carrot chase and isn't success at some point being able to slow down and listen to our elders. And to be able to take care of ourselves and, you know, to be with family and, you know, success and happiness is not the more it's being able to be. And money is a tool because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right. And if you, you, money is a tool that can use you or you can use it to free up your time. Yeah. And time is the, the time is the biggest investment, your health and everything in your business it's people 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 think that that you know investing into the business means money no investing into the business means you being both mentally and physically healthy absolutely because if you if you lose everything that's value your connection your self-respect to get to a point of x y and z what's the value of that i always think it's funny when there's these advertisements about i'll help you get to six figures but isn't six figures in most places in America considered middle-class? So I'm going to help you be above average middle-class, you know, because if you have a $30,000, if you make six figures and you have a $30,000 coach and you have a $10,000 thing here and a 
that I mean, pretty soon you're making $30,000, but what's important is you look like the success instead of actually being a success. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather, uh, I went from the trophy Be car, the success than which look like nobody the success. looked at as a trophy car because it wasn't a fancy car. It was just a Ford, right? But it was the cheapest mm -hmm. car that let me have to driving a minivan and people literally worried about the success of my business, which I would say, yeah, it's pretty rough. You should probably buy something. <laughs> I want to tell you this story and um, I, I'm really enjoying talking, but um, <clears throat> having a conversation. This is why I love you, by the way. I love you too. so on the same, you know, same wavelength we have completely two different experiences in life you know you grew up in america i grew up in the boonies in hungary and romania but yet we're still we still learn the same life lessons isn't that amazing you know this is true. Um, but i had a client a couple of years ago with my coaching business in, in romania and he was trying to build this successful business he had a really great idea and everything anyway one day he shows up and he says guess what I did? I'm like, what? I was so excited for him, you know? Uh -huh. He's like, I bought a BMW. And I was like, why did you buy a BMW? And he's like, well, I have to show that my business is doing great. I said, <laughs> let me teach you something today. I said, I will be teaching you today how to knock on the door. I said, go to the door, knock on the door, now open it and go outside. I'm not going to teach you anymore. You think that your business is successful because you bought a BMW, man? He sold his parents' apartment that he got from his parents to buy the BMW and he was showering in his girlfriend's apartment because he didn't have a place to shower and he was sleeping in his BMW. But yet he had to show that his business was successful. Yeah, that, that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, right? I mean, how, how yeah. can you help somebody like that? Well, it's, it goes to the depth of our own, how we seek significance. Are we seeking significance because we're becoming, because we are, you know, in the Christian view, becoming more godlike, yeah. you know, or are we going for the easy fix of what we can post on social media? Well, we're seeking significance, which is equal happiness. Yes, I totally agree. And we are definitely going to have to have you on again. And you're going to have to be prepared with some fun things about Hungary to educate the American audience on some of those amazing child experiences. Because the closest I came was, you know, Ronald Reagan saying, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, right? To understanding <laughs> some of the political conflicts that happen in your area. I mean, I've studied history, so I'm maybe a little bit more, which is why I want to go into some of that. What it was like for you as a person living through that would be interesting for me, um, because all I know is the political history side of it. And um, well, um, Hungary didn't actually, Hungary didn't have that much political um, issues after, I mean, when we moved, well, the Russians left, um, the Soviets left Hungary. I mean, just different political regimes. Yeah, you know, but I well. did grow up under the Ceausescu regime in Romania. And oh, that wow. I can tell you about that. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So a little teaser. Now, as far as your LinkedIn thing, go and listen to my prior podcast by Richard Bliss. He gives away uh -huh. some amazing tips on how to improve your LinkedIn game. Oh, awesome. Um, thank you so much, my friend, Alex, for once again, um, giving me a great conversation and for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness. I love it. Thank you for having me.
The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.